Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm a personal trainer and women's online health coach, bringing you all things health, wellness, money, mindset, and just life in general. If you want to learn, laugh, and up-level your life, this is a podcast for you. Each episode, we'll talk habits, tips, tricks, and big ideas to nourish your mind and inspire you to create your dream life by design. Let's dive in. Hey guys, and welcome back to episode 16. I'm so excited to be bringing you another episode today with an amazing guest on. So her name is Stephanie Lauren, and she is a self-doubt and relationship coach. And I think it's going to be really awesome to have a talk to her today because I know that she can absolutely speak to so many amazing topics that I love talking about. Everything from going from self-hate to self-love, acceptance, people-pleasing, and all that awesome kind of stuff. So hey, Steph, how are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. So I thought before we kind of get into all of the juicy topics, it's probably a little bit of a good idea for you to one, maybe just give like a little bit of background context into what you sort of do. Um, And then two, I would love to hear about your journey because obviously I know um, so much of that, which I find really, really fascinating. So um, kind of give us the whole spiel on your sort of journey from where you've come from to where you are now in terms of, I guess, your own relationship with yourself. Yeah, so I actually um, started off in business. I went to university actually with Oscar, which is funny, small world. And um, my family helped me buy a cafe on the Mornington Peninsula in Sorrento um, called Just Fine Food, but now it's um, renamed the Vanilla Slice Shop. So it was renowned for its vanilla slice. Um, And I was just so driven, so motivated. Um, At that time, I was also working out a lot a sponsored athlete and just really an overachiever, I would say. And I suppose I got to my point when I was about 23, 24, where I struggled with my first huge mental health dip where I just went through anxiety, depression, everything. And my whole world kind of fell apart and everything I thought I loved, I didn't like anymore. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I I went through a really toxic relationship at the time as well. Um, And just everything I thought I was, I just was no longer. And I didn't know how to get through it. I didn't know if I could. I just wanted the old version of myself back. Um, But I lost her and I was going through this whole grieving period. Um, But little did I know now that that was actually my awakening to who I really am. And so I really had to... I call it like the process of elimination where I had to eliminate everything I wasn't. And that was a really painful journey, especially first jumping into it because I didn't really have a relationship with spirituality. I grew up with quite a heavily influenced Catholic background from my nonness perspective. So I kind of resented religion and anything God related. I thought it was for people who just needed hope. Um, but then, yeah, I, I, it proved me wrong really because the more I really experienced surrender, law of attraction, trust, studied epigenetics, the human ego, the brain, um, and just went through all of my conditioning growing up and reprogramming my whole mindset from, yeah, self-hate, shame, self-disgust, yeah, just completely giving up on myself to having to find a way to... And at first, you know, when you're in that stage of giving up on yourself, you don't even think that there is a mindset, the the extreme opposite of that, which is radical self-love. You you just, you're in survival mode. So um, I suppose my journey was experiencing every unwanted mindset and I kind of had my do or die moment where it's like, well, I can either live in survival mode, not live at all, or find meaning in my life. So I guess that's my journey and I had to really dissect my perfect life that I'd built up until that point because I had a really successful business. There was nothing actually wrong with my life according to society, but my Mm. soul was just so unhappy. So that is my journey kind of summarised on moving from unwanted to wanted mindset. 
That is so fascinating. And I know like um, for anyone listening at the moment, the first time Steph and I probably caught up, we'd probably followed each other on social for ages. And as you said, you went to university with Oscar. So we kind of knew who each other were, but one day we decided to catch up and have coffee, which is probably like, do you reckon maybe five months ago now? I reckon it's gone really quick. Yeah, that's gone so fast. Yeah. But it turned into like a four hour. Yeah, we literally were talking for like four hours about so much of that stuff. And so I was just sitting there thinking, like listening to you talk about your journey, what's got you where you are. And I'm just like, oh, there's just so much I could ask you and want to pick your brain about and talk about. And I'm like, where do we even kick off with that? Um, so I guess, you know, a lot of that you spoke about the process of elimination, which I love. Um, I refer to as unlearning, which I know you've probably um, used interchangeably as well. So actually rather than learning new things, unlearning who you are not. Um, but I guess within that process of elimination and all of that stuff, like you, you really spoke about where you were versus where you are now. For someone listening who is maybe in that phase where they're feeling so much self-hate or so much self-doubt or they're in those lows and feeling that shame or self-disgust and all of that stuff that we brought up, what do you feel is that initial baby step that someone can just take to I guess begin out on knowing because I think it can be so overwhelming knowing to where to even begin on this journey because it just seems so huge that so many people fail to even start so what would you say is a good I guess baby step or a first thing that you would recommend that someone can do to kind of begin out on that journey of moving out of self-hate into more self-love yeah of course and so I guess when you are in that dip of complete self-hatred and disgust you are either in the you're either depressive prone or anxious prone so the anxious person is someone who overdoes it um they act in a scarcity mindset by overdoing it and overachieving and just trying to prevent sitting with themselves in a sense. So they're constantly doing things to distract themselves. And a lot of anxious people are actually in denial of how like a typical person of someone who's addicted to working out and they're just constantly working out, but really they're only working out because they're so terrified of being fat rather than actually enjoying working out and being healthy. But admitting that to yourself, it's harder for an anxious person to admit and be honest with themselves until they typically get to the tipping point where their whole world is probably pulled from underneath them and then they're forced into the depressive prone mindset where, um, like for me, I was so anxious over doing overachieving and then I got a tumour in my pituitary gland and it caused me to rapidly put on weight. So despite how much I was working out and dieting and binge eating and like just trying to fast and starve myself to just try and avoid this weight gain it really pushed me into giving up on myself and so I went from anxious to depressive and then I did nothing and it's that all or nothing mindset that anxious people typically think that depressed people do nothing and are lazy and that's what they're scared of and depressed people are scared of doing anything at all and becoming anxious so they don't even try so it's finding that middle ground and in order to do that it's getting to know who you are as a soul. Like, what are you here to do? What are you here to give? And it's accepting that everything that's happened to you is for you, not to you. And it's all impersonal. So to impersonalize from everything that's happened to you takes just waking up in the morning and doing just one thing and making it a habit every single day. Whether And it's usually moving your body and listening to a good podcast and educating yourself on negative thinking, negative thoughts, mindsets, your brain, your ego, why you're thinking negatively, finding hope in that you're not alone because everybody goes through this at some point in their life. And it's actually the activation period of your transformation into knowing who you are, but who you really are. Um, and typically we're so caught up in being who we should be. And that's why it's the process of elimination and unlearning, like you said, because you really need to unlearn everything you thought you should be and almost get another kind of dopamine hit from something more aligned with your soul. So it's finding motivation through trying new things 
and just discovering a new version of yourself and forgiving yourself for fucking it up originally. So, um, and that's the hard part because you, you can get so caught up in, I should have done better. I should have known better. I feel like such a fool. This is so stupid. And there's all of those mindsets, but really mindsets are beliefs and beliefs are just a thought, thought over and over again. And this conditioning that we're unlearning, uh, some of them are deep-rooted expectations, which are just deeper beliefs. And so in order to challenge that, there's definitely you can manually do it, which is like your as if like fake it till you make it mentality where you're just acting the opposite of what you have been doing um, in order to rewire a new way of thinking and new belief systems about yourself. But as women, that is such a man-made concept. So um, that alone is where I get my clients from now because they feel like constant failures. They're always burning out. They don't understand their cycle and how their hormones are influencing everything. They don't understand that um, women are inconsistently consistent. Every week our mood changes. We have an internal phase, an external phase. Um, and in order and our self-sabotaging like way of being is a lot higher than the man because we internalize everything. So we sit with our thoughts so much more than men do. Whereas men can go out to work and if they've had a shit fight at home, they can go out and get on with their day. Whereas women, we take every feeling that we feel into everything we do. Yeah. Um, but with, and a lot of men think that's weak or like we can adapt into thinking that's a weakness. But until you find power in that and simplify just by doing one simple thing every day that makes you happy and getting to know your soul, whatever that is, a morning ritual, a coffee, journaling, gratitude, like whatever it is, it's actually sitting down and prioritizing time with yourself um, and making that a priority and just allowing it to unravel and present itself to you because you're always where you're meant to be. You're always given everything you need in order to go where you need to go. Um, and it's just trusting the journey, which is, it was a huge leap for me. So starting is just starting and actually like just committing to the tiniest thing. So if you're in the depressive mindset, it's doing something rather than nothing. You don't, you know, and it's knowing that, you're not going to become anxious and hate what you're doing. Like what you create from just doing tiny actions will actually give you hopefulness. It will give you connectedness. It will give you a sense of connection with yourself and what you're creating in your life. And if you're anxious, it'll, it'll help you slow down and see what you're so worried about. And generally with anxious people, it's security and it's like, what if something goes wrong and anxious people are always worried about, um, yeah, like almost like the universe could let you down. So they have to find trust more in the universe. Whereas people with depression prone mindsets have to find more trust in their power to create a meaningful life that gives them more, more feeling of self-worth, self-love, connectedness to other people. Um, but yeah, it's just really making it simple and forgiving yourself for everything you've done up until this point. Yeah, I think oh, I love all of that, especially because it wasn't even so much about or oh, people who have depression or people who have dis uh, anxiety. It's just depressive prone or anxious prone. And when you put it like that, and for so many people who wouldn't have heard that terminology, and I know the first time we ever caught up, I hadn't heard about that and I was like jaw like jaw hanging down on the floor like oh my gosh this makes so much sense and I would absolutely be anxious prone right because I what makes me anxious is slowing down or not doing enough or having to move fast all the time and do all of the things and um, that masculine energy that we spoke about but I think it's really important even acknowledging that because what that does is explain to so many people that setting out on this journey isn't a one size fits all. And before you can know what's best for you is understanding who you are now or what's driving you now. So you know the changes you need to make. And as you spoke about, 
if you're that anxious prone person, actually being able to sit with that and acknowledge that and that maybe, you know, you're using excuses for things in terms of like you say that you're working out for X, Y, Z, but it's actually because you get scared of as you said, putting on weight or something like that. And if you are that depressive prone, you may be that person who has an amazing opportunity come to you, but you're that, what if it's probably not going to work out for me? Why try, you know, that more, um, uh, lacking self-worth, I, I guess you could say as well. So I think, and, and then to carry on from that, when you spoke about, men versus women this is so big because I think there's been like a huge feminist movement which I think is so important like obviously based on history it's got us so much where we are today but I think sometimes people take that and don't acknowledge that men and women are different and there are some things that we shouldn't do the same and our brains run differently and our energies are differently. And exact, exactly as you spoke about, men compartmentalize. And so understanding, and this can come into relationships, right? Men can have a fight and then go to work and get on with their day. And women are like, can then get even more upset and more defensive because they can't compartmentalize. So they're carrying that energy and they're like, he doesn't even care about me. He's just going about his day when in actual fact he does, he's just compartmentalized. Um, So like all of these things, you know, the difference between men and women, the difference between you being um, anxious prone or depressive prone, they all mean that we are all different. And so understanding those differences is what is the first thing that you can do before you even know what what to do. Um, You also spoke about, which was really fascinating to me, that process of elimination um, and, and understanding whether you're that anxious prone or depressive prone. So what do you think are some ways that someone can, I guess, even begin to unlearn or begin to eliminate and how can someone actually find, because I think people lack a lot of self-trust and so when they get in these phases, they're like, is this my intuition or am I, you know, they second guess their intuition. They second guess who they are. They get confused whether it is the real them or there's an outside outside source influencing that, if that sort of makes sense. So how do you think someone can um, tune more into their intuition or learn what is their true self and begin eliminating what isn't them? Perfect. So basically with that getting to know your soul in the morning, what I mean by that is it's it's getting that whole body light up goosebump experience, which we can all get when we're really present and enjoying something and really feel pleasure. And it's just your pleasure indicator. And basically if you know who you are and you and you do tune in and you become more spiritually enlightened and that doesn't mean you have to believe in god or spirituality it's just knowing that there's a higher intelligence like greater than us we're actually programmed to believe in that with the more we suppress that the more we're going to self-sabotage doubt ourselves feel unfulfilled because we're we're cutting ourselves off from the magic that is available to us and the, there is science backing it up. There's, it's actually the nature of life. They're called the seven hermetic principles. And there's science and physics that back up. Like science is just the physical manifestation of spirituality, really. Um, so basically, if you're sitting with your soul every morning and you're reminding yourself who you are, you can't help but feel appreciation. And that's like the first shift. So if you are in a really stuck mindset and you you can't just jump straight into gratitude. And a lot of people talk about being grateful and things, and that's perfect if you're in the middle ground. But if you're in like the highly strung anxious or the like highly depressive, like Debbie Downer side, which I've been on both, you can't just jump straight into gratitude. So you have to, so how do you move, how do you break that down is actually getting into appreciation because it's acknowledgement of everything bad that's going on and everything good so it's like it's not dismissing that you're in a negative mood right now or not where you want to be it's actually acknowledging it but by looking at 
um, a flower, a cloud, a tree, like getting you out of your head and actually looking in front of you and seeing that you've attracted this exact moment right now. And if you really believe in law of attraction, we manifest to the millisecond and everything available to us right now can give us pleasure. And it's just knowing that even in the shittest moments, you can find pleasure. And the more you program yourself to do that first thing with just a basic morning ritual that gets you to remember who you are can be five minutes. It can be 30 minutes. As long as you're remembering and you get that kind of pleasure body light up experience, your whole day will be a reflection of that. So it's, yeah, just really tuning in to who you really are deeper than thought and deeper than the belief systems. And, um, you'll feel, you'll, you'll just know by the feeling of is it empowering or disempowering? And if it's disempowering, it's not your intuition. If it's empowering, it's definitely your intuition. And it can be as basic as um, I don't like where I am right now, but I know that it's going to get better rather than not I'm going to work and try really hard to get to, you know, to change my mindset. Like that doesn't feel good when you feel horrible. It's like, no, I don't like where I am right now, but I know that if I just do this tiny little thing, I'll feel better and I'm doing everything I can right now to get better. Um, and really it's the more present you do get, the more you allow yourself to enjoy the journey. And so people are so focused on where they're going that they forget that the journey is the fun side of things. So if you're not having fun, then what's the point of achieving? And generally, like that's more of the anxious prone mindset is they want to rush and get everything done to have the achievement. But then it's like, well, what for? Like, what do you want to feel then? And that's generally, it's like, well, I'll feel safe and I'll feel like I have enough and I'll feel like I can finally trust. But really, if you just trust during the journey, you're going to get so much more trust when you achieve it. And then that'll just be the catalyst to moving you into a more middle ground, enjoying the process mindset. And the same with the depressive prone person, they're going to try something, get their morning ritual done and know that motivation doesn't come straight away. It actually comes from doing it at least three times and then motivation kicks in. Um, and then they'll get their flow and then they'll realize they won't get anxious. The more that they do, they'll realize that they can still do something rather than nothing. And that feels better than doing nothing. And then they'll move into middle ground as well. So it's, we're never unaligned. We're actually always in the process of being more aligned, even when it feels like we've been aligned and then come out of alignment. Yeah. What I took from that is that so much of that just comes down to acceptance. Like it's about not um, discrediting where you're at now as if you spoke about when you're in those lows, not being like, yeah, I'm just going to do X, Y, Z and a hundred things. It's just about, I don't feel good right now, but I'll do this. And it's just about accepting and I think that's a huge thing because a a massive kind of I guess you could say theme that I I talk about a lot with my clients is permission because I think in, in life there are so many things where we only suffer because we're not giving ourselves permission to do or feel um and this is like a huge one for example that I experience with clients is I have a lot of clients who will be like emotional binge eating and I'm like often a binge comes from the fact that you hadn't allowed yourself permission to eat. And so then when you eat the thing, because you hadn't given yourself permission, that sends a signal that you fucked up, you feel like shit. And then all of a sudden it triggers a binge. Had you given yourself permission to just eat, you would have just eaten and enjoyed and moved on. And I think that this happens in so many other areas of our life where we don't give ourselves permission to feel the anxiousness or permission to feel that depressive state. And so because we resist that, it continues on. And that's like, I love the saying, what we resist persists. And I think that that's really true. So I think I love what you just spoke about because I think it's so it's so much more authentic and realistic than just that um, toxic positivity, right? Like yeah. just, just suppressing everything and moving on. So I think... 
acceptance is probably going to fold into another thing that I want to talk to you about. And this is something that I think is a huge blockage for so many people when they begin out on, you know, learning about themselves and growing and evolving is people pleasing. I think that that's so, it's just unbelievably common to to have those people pleasing tendencies. So how do you think that someone can, because I think it's going to be so common, how do you think someone can let go of those people pleasing tendencies and not allow that to hold themselves back or hold themselves down as they are looking to expand and, and grow as a person? Yeah. So with people pleasing it's usually you're caught up in the perception of a perception of yourself on who you should be so you don't even care about what they think of you you care about what you think they think of you so it's like this you've created this illusion of who you think like what you think that they're thinking and um and how you want to be seen by them even if it's not how you see yourself um, and that's definitely like one of the first like spiritual lessons and the path of becoming who you are is letting that go. And how to do that is to actually challenge it and not, not be afraid to lose people. But I say that in a sense of like, of course, you're going to be afraid because generally we're people pleasing. We want to be liked by people we don't like. And it's just, it's a part of the primitive brain when we were in cavemen and women days where we needed people to survive and our brain hasn't caught up to modern civilization and evolution where we don't need people to survive, but we think that we do. So that's like why we're so caught up in what they think about us, rumors, justifying ourselves when a rumor has been spread, like the need to be understood and explain like, no, 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 that's not true. Um, That never happened. I would never do that. Um, and letting all of that go and completely just being okay with people talking about you behind your back and not being worried is, well, the way to do that is to know that if you know yourself and you get to know your soul, then no one else knows you better than you do. So it, it actually becomes less relevant and you don't care um, what they say because you know yourself, you know that you like yourself and you know that's enough for you. And the people that talk about you, like it's that says so much more about them. And it's like the whole how someone reacts to you is their mirror of them of them, and how you respond to them is your mirror of you. So if someone, uh, like example, like I went to an all girls school, so there was this. I remember I was in year nine and the whole year level came in and were like throwing food at me. It was like 160 girls and it was this full on mean girls episode. It was so full on. And I remember just sitting there laughing because what had happened was there was this rumor that was made up, not about me, about other girls in the year level. And, um, I remember saying to one of the other girls, Oh, how funny did you hear this stupid rumor? as in like it was so pathetic, it didn't sound true. And then that girl told them and then they all came in and I thought she was my friend. And But then, you know, like that that's a very easy people-pleasing scenario where I think the group that came in were the popular girls. So um, my friend at the time wanted to be in on the popular girls and she thought by putting me down it would bring her up and all of that. But being in an environment like that, you become that too. So I know I definitely had stages where I wanted to be up in the hierarchy. Like girls, especially in an all-girls school environment, you can have the belief that girls are mean. And when you have that belief, you can actually think you're a jealous person in relationships, but really you're just worried about girls like getting with your partner because you believe girls are mean. So that's another like intertwine of like people pleasing, which is crazy. My mind's um, blowing at the moment. I know. It's just like there's so many, so many branches and that are planted from tiny seeds, but really it's actually knowing that you're worthy, you're good enough, but you feeling it. And if you don't, it's actually writing down how you don't want to feel because we all know how we don't want to feel. And generally that's how we're feeling right now. And then the opposite of that is the mindset we want to get to, but we can't jump 
from one end to the other. We have to find the middle ground. And that's where you don't exactly love yourself, but you don't hate yourself either. And it's get making that the first goal. And with people pleasing, it's so relevant because a lot of the time where we shape who we think we are and what we think makes us feel good are based around how we've built ourselves to be seen by other people. So when you remove that, you kind of like feel this purposelessness, like you, you don't really feel like you have a purpose or meaning and it feels a bit, it feels so foreign because you're actually building a whole new version of yourself and you're going to grieve that old you and it, it is a, it's a hard transition and grief, grief and grieving old versions of yourself is something like I still do, but you get better at it every time. You don't like sit in the pain and hold on to it and carry it through. You're just like, yeah, it sucks, but I'm riding the wave. And that's because you just build so much self-trust every time it happens. And the more trust you build in the universe, yourself, your own power, like every experience we experience is an education of our power. So we're all here to experience our own power and every opportunity we've had to do that generally comes in the form of a problem. So if you are so focused on what people think and caring about, you know, looking to be seen in a certain way, like for me, when I ran my business, it was so hard for me to adjust to, okay, I'm going from owning a business, I've sold that, I moved to Spain, I've come back and now I want to do coaching and maybe massage on the side and I was kind of like finding that and in my own head I was like but I'm not seen as the boss anymore I'm not seen as this like person and it's it's super interesting because when you are aware of that and you're watching it once you commit to the journey of the soul the whole scary thing is you're not scared of failing and you're not scared of what people think of you you're actually scared of the responsibility that comes with being truthful to yourself because it's a whole other higher level of consciousness and you can't lie anymore to yourself. And so if you're having moments of weakness, you choose strength because you know the difference the more you do it. And if you're having moments of avoiding and being in denial, you choose clarity because deep down you know the excuses that are in the way of that. And not caring what people think is just about challenging it at either the manual way where you just, you know, distance yourself and you can do it in such a nice way. Anyone who makes you feel guilty or obligated um, or bad for not going to like a group gathering or just ashamed of who you are, like you, you feel like the people that drain you because you become the five people you hang around. And if anyone in that group of five drains you, makes you feel negative, makes you doubt yourself, um, makes you feel like they're jealous of you or envious of you, then you don't want them in your circle. So how to remove yourself from that and care less about what they think is actually doing it. But if you can't just do it manually and you struggle with that, it's seeking out like a hypnotherapist. Uh, like what I do is the creatrix facilitating, which is just removing the fears or any modalities that remove fears so you can actually start owning and accepting who you are where you don't have to challenge the ego and fears in the way because you already are who you want to be. It's actually the mind that makes us think that we're not. So it's actually almost like pulling all the weeds out that have grown there, that are all the negative thoughts and negative behavioural patterns, understanding that self-sabotage is a part of everybody. We all do it. And it's there to keep us accountable to our growth because we're always, whenever we are choosing personal growth and development and improving who we are and wanting to become a better version of ourselves, we're always going to self-sabotage that because we're scared of responsibility, we're scared of truth, and we're scared of a higher level of consciousness. And it's just a part of the human experience, but it's actually not being ashamed of it knowing that we all do it, knowing that we all have depression tendencies, we all have anxious tendencies, and it's just really just knowing that you're not too much for anyone. You're, you can show your true self and someone will always be there to catch you. And if they aren't, then you will be. And you just need to trust that the universe is teaching you a thing in either of those circumstances. So it's just 
trusting the whole journey and trusting that, yeah, if people don't like you and you generally don't really like them anyway. So. Yeah, I think that, yeah, so right. I think when people generally don't, don't like you, it's usually, um, that your energies or your values and things don't align anyway. And it's so funny. So much of what you spoke about, I completely resonated with. I uh, have spoken to Oscar about this before in terms of when you set out on this journey and you begin healing and releasing all these triggers or being, um, letting go of your ego and being willing to speak from a higher self, come with more compassion, let things go sometimes you can fall back back into a little bit of an old pattern of thinking of feeling like you're pulling like the short straw. And what I mean by that is sometimes the higher you go, the more people are almost going to reject who you are. And the more they reject who you are, the more you may be, um, for lack of a better word, a victim of uh, gossip or negativity and things like that. And the more the, you're a victim of that negativity, the more you're faced with the challenge of having to let go, be compassionate, see these people who are talking badly of you through the lens of compassion. And it's like, it's so ironic that the more you grow and the more you expand, the more you have to let things go, which is uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I just said, you know, how many times, um, you know, I've been, uh, I guess, I keep, I can't think of a better word right now, but I guess a victim or on the other end of uh, gossip or people not liking me and my old people pleasing tendencies, almost trying to sneak back and me not wanting to be disliked and things, but then returning back to who I am or who, who I think I am or who I want to be. Um, and knowing that that's a person who sees people through the lens of love and compassion and having to let go and not react, but then having it happen again and having to not react and again and not react. And it's almost like at these points where, where do you draw that boundary between, um, I guess, where do you draw that line between not being, um, reactive because you're being compassionate versus setting that boundary, right. Of like, knowing what's just not okay and I think so how do you think that people can navigate finding that balance between setting boundaries and not tolerating shit from people because Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily fair Mm -hmm. versus uh, being able to let things go and not allow them to trigger you or come from compassion. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah. no, it so does. And boundaries is such a, like boundaries is the second part of letting, letting go of what people think. It's like, it's how do you do that? You create boundaries. But the boundaries first come from you. It's like, what will you tolerate? Because you are in full control of how you allow people to treat you. So and that's a big pill to swallow because you're usually like, well, they did this, they did this, they made me feel this. No one makes you feel anything. You either feel the feeling deep subconsciously or, yeah, it's, it's either a self-doubt or that's a subconscious belief and conditioning that you had growing up. Um, and really all our childhood wounds are just the parts of ourselves that we felt were unloved growing up. So therefore we hid them and they become our shadows. So they're still a part of us. We just try not to look at them. And that's why they come out as a form of gossip or subconscious conditioning that we we don't look at, we avoid, but is still there. So basically boundaries, I, for, for me, I still look at the scenario like if a family member, for example, crosses a boundary and you don't agree, you can both communicate communicate your boundaries and just kind of step back with love because you want them in your life. Whereas people that don't need to be in your life, like if they're, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Like you need to be so, the more in tune you get with your self-love journey, the more you value your own energy and the more you don't even want anyone to exist in your reality that doesn't bring you up. And you have full control over that through blocking them. And when you don't want to block someone, that's the that's the pull that um because a lot of people are like oh no I just want to not care what they think and if I block them it means that I care what they think but the thing is 
the fact that you sa- you're saying that you care about what they think. So you just need to block them until they don't exist in your reality long enough that you get so used to them not being there and then they're not even there. So you don't even have to react to them and tell them off. The only people I communicate my boundaries to are the ones that I want in my life. The ones that aren't in my life, I can block, delete them. And if they say something about it, then that's like on them. Like it doesn't, they don't have to exist in, in your world and you don't need to carry on like being affected by whatever things they have going on or negative things they're saying about you. I love all of that. Um, That was so amazing. I think that's really true. Um, I think there's not, not no point, but I think there's a lot less point setting a boundary with someone when you, because setting a boundary takes energy, right? And so I think that there's no point expending that energy on a boundary of exactly as you said, someone who doesn't deserve time or space in your life versus someone who you do want in your life. Then that's somewhere where, yeah, it's probably worth um, using that energy to set that boundary just so they know. Um, So I guess that's being, um, I guess when you are in that, um, that end of the spectrum that's almost you being a recipient of a trigger from somebody else but I know that we've all been on the other end and we definitely wouldn't acknowledge it when it is but so often in our life we don't like to admit that when we find ourselves judging someone or thinking poorly of them or being frustrated at them or angry at them that often it's our own trigger um And that's the funny thing is that when someone gossips about you and so forth, acknowledging, okay, well, I've triggered them in some way, but then you also have to be radically honest in saying, okay, but then when I'm judging someone else, I need to be honest and accept that they have triggered me and it's not about them. Um, And I, you would know that I love talking about triggers and things like that. And I think you will speak really well to this. So how do you feel that you can... I guess in these moments, what even basic or quite intense, it doesn't matter, but what do you think is the first thing someone can do to begin not allowing themselves or even being more aware of their triggers and being able to move through them? Yeah, so it's actually becoming the observer of your thought and knowing that your thoughts are not who you are. They're just, that's why the whole like meditation movement is about watching clouds go by and just impersonalizing with um with what's going on in our mind and the more you impersonalize with things the more you don't take things personally because nothing is ever personal think about like even when we've gone to hurt someone we haven't like actually gone out of our way to make them feel a certain way without it making us feel better in a sense so it's always we're selfish like humans are selfish like we're made to think about ourselves and even the people we care about the reason that we allow them in our lives is because we like how they make us feel so in in order to know triggers it's actually our boundaries and our triggers are when our childhood wounds are provoked where like when we were a child, if our mum said, oh, you're so annoying, she's not saying we are annoying as like a person. She's saying our actions annoying. But as a kid, we, we don't have our logical brain until the age of 12. So we can grow up thinking we're just annoying. Our, like our presence is annoying. And so detaching from that. And then if someone at school in like year 12 or at university goes, oh, she's so annoying straight away you're going to react and you're going to be like, oh, my God, they said that. And then you won't even notice that it's what they said has, like, triggered that unloved part of yourself that you've tried to hide. But you're going to try and self – it's like self-preservation. Our brains are here to, like, protect us and make us feel safe. So as soon as we feel attacked, we're going to blame them and say, oh, you know, well, she's not even a nice person anyway and try and protect the actual pain of going, no, we're just scared of – feeling annoying because that's that's the trigger so basically if you're able to observe what's going on and not react it's always always better even if you feel like you need to say something I guarantee sleeping on it for like two to three days because the longer you separate yourself and watch it the more you learn about yourself and if you want them in your life and you want them to know how that made you feel when she said you were annoying and she is a friend and she was just joking around, you can say, I don't like it when you call me annoying. 
and she'd be like, oh my God, that wasn't my intention. And the thing is, it's actually linking, like looking at words as labels from our own experiences and they're all unique to everyone. And knowing that if someone calls you annoying and you've been called annoying growing up, then that what like they might mean it as like a funny you're just being silly or whatever and they've just used the word annoying as a completely different meaning to how you've taken it um but again that's your level of consciousness so you can choose to heal this part of yourself that you so you can no longer be triggered by the word annoying or you can expect them to change their actions and again the more you go on this self-love journey, the more you understand that you can't really expect people to change. The more you expect less from them and change your own perception of the world and how you see and hear and smell and touch and just experience everything, the more you realise you're in, you're in control of that and you can actually, yeah, there are so many modalities that you can go within like timeline regression therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, matrix imprinting, um, especially as women, like we're, we're creators, like this whole men and women and the differences between how we see the world is science can't make a baby, but we can make a baby. So like, what does that say? You know, like if you're so heavily trusting on science and not on the power of creation and this intelligence outside of us that creates life, the universe, the stars, the planets and all of these things and magnets and attraction and physics and quantum physics. If you were so heavily high strung on proving things to be true before you believe them to be true, that's a huge block in itself as well because you're just blocking yourself off from trusting that things are happening for you and not to you. And the more we understand that we're just growing, the, the more we can accept the journey and find peace with it and catch ourselves out on these thoughts getting so emotionally attached to everything happening because the more we emotionally detach, like, yeah, the more we, the more we impersonalise and emotionally detach from everything happening to us, the more we realise, no, it's for us and we can just watch it. And when you watch it, you just learn so much more about yourself and just everything slows right down and you start making more empowering decisions rather than disempowering decisions because we're always in control of the next choice we're making in this very moment. And, you know, anxious prone, again, will think about 100 decisions ahead and depressive prone will think about the decisions they've made in the past and how they cause pain. So they're scared of making a decision and anxious prone people are, like scared of not making the right decision. So really you, you always, you can never make the wrong decision because you're never going to finish. Like there's always going to be a new, like a new growth avenue for you, a new lesson. And that's what keeps life exciting. And it's not being overwhelmed by that, but just sitting with it and enjoying it. And again, the more you know your soul every morning and who you are and why you're here, the, the more clear that gets every single time you do it. And the less things happening around you actually matter because you're putting your time and energy into you, you're filling your cup and this whole filling your cup thing is so important because when you do that, you've got so much overflow that when people come into your energy and they're taking from it, you don't feel depleted. You might feel a little bit depleted here and there, but you're, you're mainly like pretty sure of yourself and you can't really, you kind of like, a rock or a mountain in the storm like the storm's passing you but you're still pretty solid and you're going yeah you're going where you want to go that's that's so amazing because so much of that relates to not needing um as you spoke about like proof of things and how needing that proof can can be a blockage and that's really important in terms of understanding that some of these blocks we create within ourselves because so often we're when we don't know ourselves, we turn to external validation. So we look for validation from external sources that it's okay to do X, Y, Z, or we want proof of that something's a good decision before we make the decision. And we always want the evidence before it happens. And it's funny because I was talking to this uh, about this to someone the other day about how there are so many things in our life where we want the proof before we do it. 
which are often experiences that relate to ourselves and us having to be courageous or um, have a sense of self-worth or confidence before we try. But then there are so many things where we accept them without an understanding of them because someone told us so, which is external validation in some sense, which (laughs) for example would be people not having an understanding of how a magnet works, right? You don't see what's pulling the magnet or repelling the magnet away or so many people have no idea like there would be many people if I was to say to you hey when I pick up my mobile phone and call someone on the other side of the world how can they hear my voice through that device so many people there is no way they would not be able to explain to me how that happens and yes there is scientific evidence of why it works but they couldn't explain it they just accept it to be because somebody told them so and so there are so many things, however, in our in our own life where we want to take action, but we're waiting for someone to tell us so, even if we can't see or have an understanding of why it will work or how it will work out. So I think that's a huge one in terms of like when you are so often looking for proof of things, you're just getting in your own way. And there was so much in that that I wanted to talk about. Like you, I was like literally wanting to ask you a thousand questions. I was talking about thinking about like um, ego and higher self and all of these like uh, sub modalities and all of this kind of stuff, which is so fascinating. I'm like, I want to ask you a thousand questions um, and I'm going to ask you one and then I'm going to I'm going to go by my word and answer a few people's questions that they've asked you but I I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I keep wanting to ask my own um I would love you to speak a little bit to that side of things because last year I actually did um that uh, belief therapy or emotional healing therapy which I know is very similar to what you do um it was like getting into you know theater brainwave and that kind of stuff um and what came up for me was something which I didn't think to, would come up. Like the the kind of like trauma or that limiting belief that came up was like, oh, I was over that. And um, Jess, the person who did my session with me was saying, you, you didn't think it would come up because 25 year old you is over it. But just because 25 year old you is over it doesn't mean nine year old you is over it. And I was like, wow. It's almost like we can compartmentalize our experiences and in different phases and different ages where we're healed. So like right now, I genuinely don't care, but it doesn't mean there's not this part of me in my mind and my brain that does care that I can't access in a way. So I would love for you to speak a little bit about your work and what you do, because I think for a lot of people, there's so many things they can do and they can manually do and take control of. But I also genuinely hand over heart believe that sometimes we just need to accept help beyond ourselves. So can you explain uh, what you do? Because I'm so fascinated by it and a little bit about how it works. Yeah. So I basically, when we're born from actually in the womb, Um, up until the age of 12, we're all purely run on the subconscious mind, which is um, it doesn't, there's no logical analytical part of that. It's so 97% of our brain is how we feel. And then when we turn 12, um, the other 3% of our brain develops, which is the logical brain, which we call the human ego. And so with that, um, it's the part of our brain that asks ourselves, why do we feel this way? So if, again, like with the mum calling you annoying when you were little, you're, if you were under 12 when that happened, you're going imp- to take on the feeling of annoying, like, oh, that's, that's not good. And then you're going to hide that. You're going to try not to act annoying. So you, you're actually changing parts for yourself to avoid that. But when you develop to the age of getting the human ego, um, you understand that you shouldn't feel that way. So we think that if we think we shouldn't feel a certain way, the more we think that we shouldn't feel that way, it changes the feeling, but it doesn't. And the only way to access the subconscious mind is through visualization, which is why visualization is so important because it's accessing the feelings and the feelings are what, like that's the energetic, the energetic shift that happens before any manifestation. So you can think about it and have the intention to verbally say I want to love myself but if you don't feel that as you write it down and that feels foreign to you 
you're just going to prolong the manifestation process because energetically you need to feel that and you need to visualize what that would be like and that activates the subconscious mind. So what I do is I synergize the subconscious mind with the conscious mind and I make all of the feelings that you should feel like you shouldn't care what people think, you shouldn't care about weight gain, you shouldn't care about this, you shouldn't care about that. Everything you don't want to care about on a logical sense, I make you feel that. So in a session, we work on typically four to six emotions a session. So it's like if you feel guilt, obligation, um, like I the other day I worked on, um, I get work on myself like at least twice a month where I remove three different beliefs. But I was telling you about it where I, um, where I removed um, like just was a really random one that came to me and it was responsibility. So my fear of responsibility from running the cafe and getting really um, overwhelmed then has like definitely influenced me avoiding responsibility now. Um, so in removing that, I learned that I loved like responsibility equals freedom. But at that time, even when you are older than your logical brain being like developed, you can still, if you develop a belief, which is a feeling, and then you, you think the thought and associate that with the feeling you experience, if it's heavy enough and traumatizing enough where you feel it's attacking your sense of self, or you feel terrified in the situation, you take that on in future to avoid it later on. So basically what I do is I called my facilitator at the time and we worked on response response the fear of responsibility and so when we removed that i got off the phone and straight away i was like writing my ebook wrote another ebook doing all these other things and i'm just doing all these things a lot more because it's actually the seed and all of the branches that branch out into other actions so by changing how you feel it changes everything like your whole perception of yourself the world and again it's depersonalizing with it and it's forgiving yourself, but it's so hard to do without visualization or, and that's why like the whole fake it till you make it is a a bit more of a journey and involves a lot more self-sabotage because it takes you a lot of physical evidence to see the results that you want to see. And then you allow yourself to feel the feeling. Whereas if you can just feel the feeling from the start, then you can just journey through and it's just so much easier. So it's definitely, I highly, highly, highly recommend change, like finding a modality to actually change your belief systems rather than depending on the whole manual process, because it can take you like nine years to remove one belief that I can change in 20 minutes. So it's really just rewiring and learning about epigenetics, the ego, like you said, you've been posting heaps about learning about the brain and stuff. And that was definitely the first research hole I went down because I was so analytical. I needed to prove everything. I didn't believe in the universe, magic, higher power. I was like, nah, that's all woo-woo and weird. Um, and now I've definitely become the really woo-woo and weird psychic girl that pulls her oracle cards out every time I have a question <laughs> or journals and talks to myself for 90 minutes. Um, but the more you do it, the more clear you get with the world and like where you're going and why you're here. And, um, it is, and there's just like a magic out there that I don't know. I don't think I'll ever know enough about the more you dive into it, the more there is to know and the more exciting it is. Um, but I suppose with what I do now is I'm removing every belief self-sabotaging me from getting more aligned with truth the truth of who I am and the higher consciousness so yes I love that (laughs) you just made me think of that uh the saying um the more you know the more you realize you don't know know. yeah Yeah. it's like that's like where I feel like I'm at right now in terms of like uh learning about all this stuff and I'm like the more there is to learn the more I realize I'm never gonna know everything um it's so crazy I just love all of that and even listening to you then I was like I I want a session (laughs) (laughs) um I'm gonna pick two or three questions let's see how we go um sorry everyone I took up everyone's time because I'm fascinated myself um Someone asked you, have you let go of any friendships or relationships due to your evolving? Yes, so a lot. So I had 
like I think a huge catalyst to my growth was a big breakup with a really toxic person and that relationship and I say made me feel because again no one can really make you feel anything um that made me feel all the self-doubt the self-hate um the confusion the indecisiveness and it's through a manipulation tactic called gaslighting which I wasn't aware about uh, which I wasn't aware of um and that is when someone makes you doubt your reality and the truth um and again it's just a self-preservation tactic our ego uses um and I had to forgive them and then forgive myself for allowing that to happen to me and all of all of the juicy journeys of forgiveness always starts in hate because hate is the opposite of love and it's the only self-preservating way to get out of a relationship that you know that you're in love but you need to leave. Um, and then also a, a best friendship that ghosted me after five years, so that was an interesting one. Um, because when someone ghosts you, you don't have the explanation of why things happened and you're only left questioning yourself. And then you have shame in like your actions and you start doubting everything again. So self-doubt in self-doubt comes from relationships that you used to validate your person. So it's, losing people you can never lose friends you just lose people that were never your friends in the first place and the more you go through the journey of like self-love the more you realize the ones that have been there the whole time are like your soul family and you just grow so much closer and intimate and more connected and more appreciative of them because they've seen your whole transition and they've gotten to know the new you every time and accepted that every time and helped you grow into the next version of you and they're still helping you grow every time. So yeah, losing people is a really hard one, but it's only because we, we deep down fear that if we lose them, it means that we lose meaning in ourselves, but really they're the lesson to teach us to stop validating our worth from the relationships with them and how they made us feel. Even the good feelings are already within us. So every, like, same with what you were saying with judging before, if you judge someone, all the good characteristics you judge about them are all the good characteristics you love about yourself. You only ever judge someone because it's so easy to judge someone because they're the traits of yourself growing up that you were told not to be because they were more unlovable. So that's what judging is. But with family there's like a deeper expectation so when your parents let you down and you're like how dare they treat me like that that's an expectation which is a deeper form of judgment because growing up you were accustomed to them treating you a certain way as well so relationships like whether intimate with family with friends are always going to change and evolve with our level of consciousness. But again, it's just trusting in the journey and trusting that you're doing the best you can in each moment. And so are they. So it's just, that's how you find compassion for them too. And actually more, the more self-love you have for yourself, it's actually a journey of compassion because you're forgiving yourself each time. And when you're forgiving yourself for how you were, and you see that other people are still behaving that way, the more you're like, no, I remember when I was there and they're still learning and that's okay. Yeah, when you spoke um, way earlier about when uh, you kind of have people in your life um, and it's almost like they validate, you spoke about how people kind of validate when you like people, it's almost a part of you that you like within yourself. And so it's almost like for people when they're scared of evolving and maybe losing friends what they're really scared of is losing who they thought they were because as we know when we have people in our life we we make up what they think of us we think we know who they think we are and so when we're scared of letting these people go it's actually because we're scared of letting go of that version of us that we think we are in a really roundabout way yeah and we're also scared of losing a best friend and then who would we look like without a best friend what does that say about us are we still lovable if we don't have a best friend but the the funny thing is or boyfriend as well the funny thing is is when you do make the decision that you deserve better and you usually you typically just know you do you should 
shouldn't be settling and it's like an ego like your ego is your best friend in a sense because it it's telling you how you should feel so listen to that because it's telling you where you want to go without the ego we wouldn't have growth so it's actually the subconscious mind that needs to catch up with it so you just need to synergize them both but with the fear of losing people and like it you can't lose anyone like as soon as you actually cut ties with those friendships new ones come out that were way better than they ever could be because they're going to complement this next version of you and again it's just trusting in the universe it's always going to deliver a new friendship with way more value when you trust that the old one has has had its time and had its purpose in your life so you just need to let it go because you as your soul wants to even though your ego is a little bit scared but knows you should um, and then, yeah, just watch all new beautiful people walk into your life. That's so amazing. And I am going to ask you one more question, um, which is mm-hmm. from someone from uh, Instagram. But before I do that, I want you to let everyone know um, where they can find you and what you do and how they can work with you. Yes. So they can find me on Instagram. Um, my username is Stephanie Lauren, but it has three E, so S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-E-E, Lauren. Um, and basically I've got a booking system there, but I usually get a few DMs and work that way, but super flexible. It's all on my website and they can contact me, yeah, that way. Awesome. I'm going to add your um, Instagram handle and your website in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to go there, you can go straight there and find Steph. Um, But the last question, um, which I'm going to choose is because I love this and it's very juicy. Signs that the ego is coming up and how not to judge that part of yourself. Oh, so again, it's who offends you. So when you're offended, um, it's, it's the best sign to be like why am I offended and how did they make me feel and being honest with how it made you feel rather than what they're doing because what they're doing is irrelevant it's how it made you feel and then the next question is did they mean to make me feel that way and if they didn't then you know it's something that you just need to work on and you don't even need to bring it up. Unless it's a reoccurring pattern, it is a boundary and then you can communicate to them. And again, boundaries are just the level of consciousness you're at now. And it's there's no shame in saying, hey, it made me feel bad and then they can avoid it. And the people that are your friends will respect your boundaries and they won't say it. But also like don't let yourself off the hook either because if you can heal that part of yourself, you should always try. Um, but yeah, with in terms of boundaries and just knowing who you are and where your when your ego comes into play, it's just looking at what you're offended by, what you feel obligated to do, and who makes you feel guilty. Because the people who make you feel obligated and guilty, you usually it's like a false sense of control that they have over you and you're making out that they're trying to control you and make you do things you don't want to do when that's not it at all. So it's owning that in you and stop being the doormat in the friendship and actually say no, um, which is, again, a hard one, saying no to things you don't want to do because that can upset people because then it generally does upset the people that walked all over you because you like you suddenly standing up to them and saying no. But, again, don't be scared of losing them. If you do, they were never your friends in the first place. But um, you'll find a newfound respect and power in controlling how you're treated by people. So amazing. Thank you so much for all of your time today. I'm already like planning out a second episode in my head because I feel like there's so much we can keep <laughs> doing. So <laughs> but thank nah, you so much, ahead. Chef. It's been so good having you on and I'm excited to um, hopefully have a few people even work with you and let me know how they go. But um, I hope you have a good day and I'm sure we'll be in touch very soon. Thank you. You too.